Welcome to the fifth episode of the Counterpunch Podcast, a weekly Cracked Rackets production. Alongside my co-host, Archit Suresh, I'm Richard Mai, and we're here to break down, analyze, and yes, sometimes argue about the biggest college and pro tennis headlines. My friend, how are you doing this week? I am doing brilliant, Richard. Another week, another Counterpunch. Lots of good tennis ready for us to preview. Got Madrid. I'm excited. Well, then we should just get right into it. Where do you want to start? WTA, ATP, got a preference? Uh, ladies first. Why not? Why don't we go with WTA for the beginning of our Madrid preview? Yeah, I mean, it's a stacked field led by Iga Sviantek, who's back fresh off of her winning Stuttgart. How many Stuttgart. times are we going to say that over the next 10 years? A stacked <laughs> field. <laughs> Yeah, well, the better question is how many times over the next few years are we going to be saying led by Iga Shiantek? Um Also seems to be a pretty high number. Um, yeah. But fresh off of an amazing win in Stuttgart, I was very wrong last week. <laughs> um, I, was that right. is, I was right. Not completely, known, not completely. Not completely. Not completely. Not completely. Listen, you we don't, we don't need to get into the details. Yeah. We don't need to get into the All details. All I have to say is that I should have stuck to my gut. Because my gut told me one thing, but then my mouth said something else. Um, I stuck to my gut, and yeah, well, and maybe I, mean, it, I it paid, yeah. yeah, sure, it paid off. Um, yeah. Our one and two seeds mirror the same as in Stuttgart, Iga Sviantek, uh, followed by Arena Sabalenka at your two seed. Um, any kind of big matches potentials that you want to kind of break down here? I mean, I'm looking at a very spicy potential second round of Iga Sviantek versus Emma Raducanu. Yeah. That's I'm, that's certainly an interesting one. Um, I'd be excited to see how that one unfolds. I have a pretty good inclination of how it'll go. Yeah. But, um, especially on clay. I'm a fan of this draw in terms of um, looking at it from Iga's perspective. The only thing that I will say does scare the living bejesus out of me is the fact that her quarterfinal matchup is Barbara Krejcikova, which we yeah, yeah. know, or Rybakina, which we know both players pause, uh, sorry, pose um, some issues for Iga. Um, I think the ideal, if you have to pick between the two, the ideal is probably going to be Rybakina. Um, has not beaten Iga on clay. Um, Krejcikova has already beaten Iga in two finals. Iga, in her entire career, actually has only lost three uh tournament finals in her career two of them to Barbara Krejcikova um I think both would pause would pose um a severe threat for Iga but I think Krejcikova more so just because of her comfortability on the surface um but up until that quarterfinal this is a very favorable draw for the world number one um the other big the other seeds in her uh quarter of the um or at least portion of the draw Alexandrova uh, Zhang and Bernardo Pera. None of those really do I think pose as big of a threat as other players in the draw um, for Iga. Also knowing that this is Iga Sviantek on clay. This is kind of her forte. Um, I mean, two-time French Open winner, two-time um, Ro- uh, winner in Rome, now two-time champion in Stuttgart. This is a surface that we know she plays very well on. Um I think this draw is very variable for her up until the quarterfinal, even though I will say I would like to shout out before I turn it over to you. Um, a very sneaky Elise Cornet is down there. 
who, as we know, legend killer, uh, well, likes not to Wimbledon. likes to get rid of seeds. It isn't the grass. Um, it is clay. Um, you never know what Cornet's gonna do. Um, but I just think it's 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 good to note there that this is the woman that broke Iga's streak last year. So you never know what she could do this year. We'll see. But I think this draw just generally looks very favorably upon the world number one. Well, yeah. I mean, for the most part, I agree with you. I also do think we need to you know zoom out for a second and look at this big picture. Madrid doesn't particularly play like the rest of the Masters 1000s on the or 1000 level of 1000 level events on the clay schedule leading into Roland Garros. It's not quite the indoor clay that Stuttgart was where I mean even then Sviantec was able to show that she's dominant on that surface because clay is clay. So I'm not trying to discount the fact that Ego will be great regardless. I think she'll be just fine. But I think the thing that I want to take a look at is the altitude. And that does play a big, big part. Excuse me. That does play a big, big part in the way that this draw plays out typically. It does kind of favor the big servers. And it, it plays it plays a little differently than the other events. It favors the big servers a little bit, gives people a little bit more time given the bounce. There's a reason why Sasha Zverev in particular loves this tournament so much. It is the ideal conditions for him because it accentuates his strengths with the big serve, but also gives him the time for his ground strokes, for him to play like heavy top spin ground strokes from the back of the court. So given that, I would, you know, I, I do like some of the players on this draw that I maybe wouldn't like as much in other situations on the clay. I I I agree with you for the most part that Ego's draw is relatively favorable until you get to the quarterfinals, but I do I do I think I am a little bit higher on Zhang Chin Wen, who famously was the only player to take a set off of Iga Sviantec at last year's Roland Garros and she played fantastic doing so. She's very young talent. Like, you see the potential the moment you watch her hit the ball. The power is massive, and she just she looks like one of those players that can grow to have one of those game styles that can dominate the, AT, the WTA excuse me, for years to come. Yeah. So, and she, though she has had her struggles to start this season, it does certainly feel like Junction when if she, you know, is able to find some form or – we, she's shown that she can play well on the clay if she can you know kind of rediscover that form and you know, start to hit a stride she could be dangerous for Iga ultimately I do have Iga getting through until the quarters and then from there it's always kind of a little more dicey but I overall I like Iga but I do want to look out for those big hitters who yeah. love the time well, there's always, practice. you know, the sneaky players that, um, I mean, someone always comes out of the out of nowhere. I mean, you even think about it, I remember vividly watching um, Tim Van Rijtoven win that big title last year. I mean, that was, I mean, talk about coming out of nowhere. And there's always going to be players that come out of nowhere and do very well. Um, I do like picking out specifically Zhang. Um, she's a great player, seriously. Um, like you said, but also Madrid plays very differently to the other clay court tournaments on the tour. Um, 
but another name, um, just so we're not talking about Iga the entire um, the entire time, as much as I would love that. Um, another name that needs to be pointed out here is that is um, I don't know if she is still playing. I think she might have pulled out. Is on Jabur, who is Jabur our defending out. our out. defending champion, pulls out. Um, now, you made a great point about how this surface favors um, the strong serve, the big hitters. That yeah. is not exactly how you would probably... That's not the first words that come to mind when you describe Anjabur's game. No, it's, it's, it's more much finesse. More, it's much more crafty finesse while having very solid, strong ba- uh, ground strokes. Um, it's going to be very interesting t- for me to see how things play out without Ons, but this time with Iga, if, we're, if we look back to last year, Iga pulled out of Madrid. Um... I think the sneakies. I mean, obviously, you're going to be looking out for your Sabalenkas, um, you know, for God knows who else. Um, Krejcikova, well, Paula Bedosa, yeah, um, Maria Sakari. Um, are there any kind of sneaky names that you are seeing in this draw that you'd like to take a look at? Well, I mean, there are definitely names that I'm intrigued by, especially by the surface um i mean yelena ostapenko is always an interesting one you never know when she's gonna just suddenly peak for an hour and a half and look like the best player in the world and then the next match she may complete or sometimes it even is during the match that she's peaking she could also not find a way to put the ball in the court so that's certainly a possibility with ostapenko um i'm interested I, I really am interested to see how Rabakina does. Yeah. I think certainly the power is there. The requisite power that you need to hit through the court and really disrupt your opponent is there on the clay. I I don't think it's going to be as difficult for Iga to manage as it was on faster surfaces and the hard court, given her exceptional movement because it's on a tier of its own. I just... And I also have concerns about Rabakina's movement on the clay. I think maybe when you look at a player like Sabalenka, though her power doesn't seem as effortless as Rabakina's does, I think her movement is. It's much more fluid in and out of the corners. I think she's really good at sliding into the... Or maybe not even sliding, but I think she's really good about moving into her backhand corner and hitting that open stance, where I think Rabakina does kind of not stumble a little bit but things do seem a little choppy with the footwork sometimes as is you know completely normal but Rabakina obviously has had clay success I mean she's beaten a player like Serena Williams on (laughs) the clay so she's certainly no slouch I just think you know maybe there's something she can I think this if if there's any surface where she is slightly more vulnerable it is this surface so I I do think Madrid will be the best for her because of the altitude and the way it rewards offensive tennis and serving. So we'll see. But those are two of the names I'm looking at. Other ones could be Anastasia Potapova. Um, yep, I was looking at that as well. I would be, <laughs> I'd be interested to see how Bianca Andreescu does. Um, though I 
there's too many fitness concerns for me to really say she's a dark horse or anything. Obviously, she's a dark horse in any draw she enters. If she's fully fit, she could go far. But I think, is, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is her first event back from injury? Since, since, since the wheeling out. Since, yes. Yeah, since being wheelchaired out so. of Miami. Okay. So, yeah. Unnamed Bianca, that I'm very excited to see is Paula Bedosa at 26. Yes. Is yeah, one definitely. of... The lowest points that we've seen her ranked or seated uh, in the last, I don't know, like, let's say past few years. Um, another, and I mean, honestly, she did very well in uh, Stuttgart, and I'm excited to see what she can do moving forward. We know she can play on the clay. It fits her game well. Um, she's a good mover, solid movement. Um, I I mean, obviously not to the point of Iga Svantec, but there's very solid movement. Um, that lends itself to the clay. Um, Europeans have a very fun time on clay, I've noticed, just because of the abundance of them, typically, uh, that you can find around Europe. So players have a good opportunity to really kind of hone in their movement and their, um, I don't know, like ability to adapt to the shot making. I mean, I've, I've played on red clay, and you have to adapt to... How high that ball um, that ball spins and bounces, and how slow it does, and figuring out timing and rhythm, and I think that's something that Paula Bedosa has done very well, and she is very dangerous in her portion of the draw. I'm excited to see. I think we could see a potential Bedosa versus Sakari, which excites me for sure. Um, yeah, I really like that. Um, yeah, generally. Like, I feel like there are two ways to look at how Bedosa's season has gone the past couple of weeks, especially, is you could look at the glass half empty where she's gotten really close against players like Sabalenka and Rabakina and gotten super close to having wins against them, which could be monumental and yeah. could be a big stepping stone for her to get back to where she was earlier. And unfortunately, she wasn't able to capitalize on those, right? But I think overall, at the same time, what we're seeing from Bedosa right now is slowly developing back into what she was before. Yeah, And um, that's the glass half yeah. full way of looking at things, which is also the way that I'm choosing to look at it. I Agreed. I'm very encouraged by the form that she's shown. I think if she keeps putting herself in those positions to get to the top of the game again, she's going to have that breakthrough win somewhere. And why couldn't it be at this event? Yeah, and I mean, what we're seeing from Bedosa right now, I mean, I love to look at things from a mental perspective as well. I think we're seeing a much more confident Bedosa. She's yeah. seeing that she can do it. And even seeing the ability that, you know, even being so close, if you think about it as, look, I was able to be so close. There are people who are getting straight set bagels and breadsticks from these guys, but I'm putting up a big fight. And taking that confidence, and a lot of times that confidence can translate into more aggressive, more confident play style, which tends to do well. You know, yeah. we talk about... Especially I mean, on this surface. Or not on this surface, players but especially in these conditions. Yeah, we've, pl we've specifically spoken about players hitting with confidence, and it means that they're taking those risks, and they're taking them in stride. You're playing it aggressively, and the confidence to do so... I, I'm I'm trying to come up with a way to say it that doesn't sound absolutely like ridiculous, but a lot of times it is that confidence that makes the ball go in. Yeah. The ability to hit that shot, go for it, and know that you can make it 
a lot of times, I mean, that's sometimes the key to it. And I think we're seeing a much more confidence ver- confident version of Paolo Badosa than we've seen, say, last year, um, which is a good sign. And like you said, it's putting herself in those situations. She has a very – I her potential second round, that match is one of my, like, marquee look out for this one. It is going to go unnoticed for how um, interesting this matchup is. Um, yeah. Elisa Beta well, Kokiareto versus Barbara Stratova. You're talking mm-hmm. about Barbara Stratova, healthy, healthy history in doubles, great player, great reflexes, um, has seen successes on the clay. If I'm not mistaken, she has reached, I think, quarterfinal, I want to say, of the French Open. Um, across the net, younger in Kokiareto, kind of more of a quote unquote rising star. Um, has shown, again, to play very well on clay. It is going to be a very interesting matchup for me. And then to see how Bedosa handles whoever she gets. I mean, she's got a very... This is one of my favorite portions of the draw in terms of seeded players. Coco Goff, Paolo Bedosa, Donna Vekic, Maria Sakari. It's a very strong foursome. It's a very strong four. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it'll be a tough quarter to get through for any of them, really. I could see all of them getting through. <laughs> um, honestly, I I wouldn't be shocked if any of Badosa, Vekic, Sakari, or obviously the favorite would be Goff, but you never know. Plus, you know, Badosa does get home crowd support here in Spain, so yep. it'd be interesting. Um, listen, before we move on to the men's event, why don't we... Do you want to give out a final prediction? You don't have to give out sets or anything, but you can, I... you can give out your finalist and your champion if you want. Would you like to go first? <laughs> okay, I mean, I guess since I asked, it's only fair for me to go first. <laughs> but um, I will go with Iga Sviantek over... I don't want to be boring and say Arena Sabalenka. Neither do I, which is why I'm also looking at other players that I have marked out for myself to watch out for. Is this the Paula Badosa run? Is this? I mean, that was one of the names I was looking at. There's we've talked name about that I'm it. Also looking at it. Um, we, I mean, we've talked about it. Isn't Caroline Garcia in this section? She is. Yeah, she is. She is. I. I I would love to pick her because I think she'd do great on the surface, but she hasn't proven anything this year for agreed. me to be able to agreed. lean. Unfortunately, agreed. I could be, you know, punchy and go with Caroline Garcia, but <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm going to be really boring, and I'm going to go with Iga over. Actually, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go with Arena Sabalenka over Iga. Okay. Because I think these um, conditions are like the one place where she'll be able to get Iga. So we haven't seen Iga at Madrid. We haven't. But. With that said, um, when I was kind of breaking down what I saw from her in Stuttgart, um, it's very, very promising. It is. It's she very good. promising. She looked phenomenal. Um, yeah. It was slowly getting back to what we expect from her, especially on this surface. This is yeah, a surface goes, yeah. where I can't – like, this is the match made in heaven. It makes so much sense that Iga is a Rafa fan because – the love of clay and the um, ability that she has to play on the clay is unmatched. Um, it just goes to I show s- that on yeah. this surface, she's just untouchable. Like, 
Yeah. Sorry. I'm, I, you know yeah. what? I'm, I'm buying you some time with your pick, but... Um, I, I, I think, think I know what I'm picking. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so, realistically, if I'm speaking realistically, I do think it's Iga Sviantek over Arena Sabalenka. But <laughs> in an attempt to be different, edgy, fun, not boring... I will you, say... Is that what you're calling me? Okay. No, it's... Uh, well, it's kind of regular schmegler to go for the one right, versus two. Right, it happened... Right. It's it's happened more times, I will say, in the last few weeks than we're used to, know. I'd say. And speaking... Could you imagine speaking, having this discussion like three years ago about the yeah. women's tour? And it's and speaking that, on both men's and women's sides. We've seen more, way more one versus two finals than I would like yeah. to... You know, I can't think back to a year where we've had as many one versus two finals. Yeah, but fans of fans if of inconsistency if I want at the top to of the game. Call out a deep Cinderella, not Cinderella run. Um, I'm gonna say Igish Fiantek over Maria Sakari. Oh, um, I like. Yeah, I think this. you're gonna regret that. <laughs> I'm gonna regret that. Um, I'm gonna regret that so much. Um, I would like it on record that that my realistic that like if I need to put money on something, I'm putting Ego versus uh, over Sabalenka. That's that's not what we're going with. We're going with Sakari. We're going with Fiontech <laughs> over Sakari just for the clips. Like clip it, Westoff. We like sure if you want the clip. Like sure, that's going I'll, on every social media. Somebody needs to do it. And you know what? Like the two names that were that I was between were Sakari and Paolo Bedosa. I genuinely, genuinely, and I said this on my other podcast, I'm saying it on this one, that is my quarterfinal prediction. From from that section, it is Paolo Badosa versus Maria Sakari. Uh, sorry, for my uh, fourth round prediction. And I think whoever wins that match, I think the rest of the draw is enough that whoever wins between those two goes all the way to the semis. But what genuinely. if they draw Sabalenka? Oh, then all bets are off the table. Exactly. Like, I don't, I don't think... I don't think either like, of the them are is, good I enough. I fully agree with you. I fully agree with you. The most likely situation is Iga versus Sabalenka. Yeah. It is two players that are, are the most in form on tour right now, yeah. especially given the surface and the conditions. This f- suits these two girls so well. Like, yeah. I don't think you can find two other players on the WTA tour right now that this mm-hmm. situation fits better than right now in this moment than for Iga and Sabalenka. With that said, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to say her name. Out there. I'm just, sorry, I'm just gonna I'm gonna say her name because we didn't mention it on podcast. But Jessica Pagula, you deserve your flowers. You go underlooked in every single draw. <laughs> I hope you do well. You'll probably make Jessica the quarterfinals Pagula or the semifinals. A, I'm saying it right now. Jesse Pagula will be a name that I talk about a lot. But once we get into the North American swing, like yeah. I think she's but gonna be exactly. a big. I think she's gonna be a big contender when it comes to Cincinnati. Oh, I, I when think it comes she could to do something Canada. at Wimbledon too. But we'll talk about her later. It's fine. Exactly. We'll I just don't think this is not the time. Yeah. If you want to shout out a player that that could be your finalist from the top half, it's Barbara Krejcikova, and I will not accept another name. Bianca I'm sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Just right. I. I as it much was as worth I. As much as I think Andreescu is phenomenal and she's a great player, she's not beating Barbara Krejcikova. I'm sorry. Potapova? That's not a bad shout. It's not a bad shout. Yeah. Now you're just trying to get me in hot water. Um, I also want to throw out Marta Kostyuk, but well, it's fine. It's fine. We'll just That's <laughs> but, enough okay, on the women's we side. Need Let's go to, to the men's just, draw. We're, we're talking about finalists, so we had to say some names. All right. Finalists. Why don't we head to the men's draw? Finalists. Yeah, have your, have your way. All right, we'll go to the men. 
The men's draw is, I mean, my question for you is, would you call the men's draw more or less kind of, to like, quote-unquote, up in the air? Like, with the women's draw, we were very regular schmegular with being realistic in a prediction of Ego versus Sabalenka, which is a one versus yeah. two. I, I think really the men's draw is more up in the air because of the I fact agree. that we don't have Djokovic or Nadal in this. We don't have Yannick Sinner in this. Is there anyone else I'm missing? Because <laughs> honestly, there could be so many. Um, well, I mean, might, I mean, honestly, I will say even... to, to plug, um, if you'd like, please go check out the Cracked Rackets Instagram. Um, we post a lot of really awesome content on there. Uh, namely, Andre Rublev and Daniel Medvedev holding a baby Stefano Tsitsipas. But one thing that they did post is the withdrawals for the men's tournament um, at Madrid. Uh, just to rile off these names, Djokovic, Senor Nadal, Berrettini, Marin Cilic, uh, yeah, Nick Kyrgios, Nakashima, Benjamin Bonzi, Jack Draper, Mikhail Yamur, John Isner, Jensen Brooksby, Federico Coria, Sun Wukwan, Arthur Rindernecht, uh, Rindernecht, uh Hugo Delian, Guido Pea. That's a yeah, very tough. hefty lift, uh, list. Yeah. Um, those first four, if we're speaking on current form, are heavy hitters. Novak and Rafa, obviously, for obvious reasons, yeah. but obviously, Sinner yeah. and Berrettini, both players playing very well recently. Um, and Berrettini's a former finalist here, made the finals exactly. in 2021, has the game to really do well. He hasn't gotten his 2022 or 2023 season kickstarted yet, but I mean, maybe this could have been the tournament, but it's not going to be because he had to pull out. So if we're looking at the matchups in this draw, it's, it's interesting, really is. Like I feel, there are a lot of good early round matches. Yeah, I was gonna say. I I mean, more so than the women's side, I would say there are some very tasty first round matches. Yeah. I mean, Any it sucks that, you that we're would gonna like s- to take a look at. I mean, it sucks that we're gonna see Dominic Team versus Stefano Tsitsipas in if Dominic Team can get through Kyle Edmund and. Boy, is Kyle Edmund being in a draw site for sore eyes, but... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, um, I mean... I mean, it's it's that's such a tough... That's such a it's tough a tough second. break for yeah. Dami team. Like, And he did quite well in... He's starting Barcelona. to play a lot better, too. Yeah, he's, he's starting okay. to play better. I'd like to say, genuinely, I enjoyed so much watching his uh, match against... Oh, my God. Um, was it Holger Runa? No, it's going to kill me. The one before... Oh, uh, Christian RBA? Green? No, sorry. Huh? Was it RBA? I think it no. was RBA. I think it was. I think you're right. Um, oh, for, no. He played Gasquet, and then he played someone else. It might have been RBA. Um, it was his match against... Did he play... No, he didn't play in uh, in Barcelona. He played in... Um, he played at the Bavarian International, and he lost to Taylor Fritz. Was he in Munich? Yeah. He... Um, he was in Munich. Lost. It was his beat. It was his match against Mark Andrea uh, Hassler. Yeah, that's the one Hussler, I'm talking about. Yeah, and then lost the, that. It, it match, was tighter than it was it tighter than it felt. felt. The, I got so much joy watching that match because yeah. it really felt like him. You know what I mean? Like yeah. ever since he came back, I've been watching his matches and he looks great. But it just feels you can tell that he just came back from injury. It yeah. feels like something is off, and maybe it's like. The whole game is off. Or maybe it's just like a minor tweak. But there always felt like there was something off. During his match against Hessler, when I watched it, it felt like Dami team. 
it felt like what we expect from him. It felt like he was actually coming back. His level was really great, and his and his ability to fight through and to take it in three, it was so much fun to watch as somebody who really enjoyed having him on the tour. I mean, he was great to have on tour. I mean, yeah. At Prince his of best, Play and he whatnot. Was, he yeah. was genuinely, like... I mean, I tennis mean, misses Dominic team at his best. This yes. is and the biggest this thing. Felt, and if he can and this get match closer, Hessler, and closer yeah. this this match against Hessler, it felt like we were getting it back slowly. Yeah. It did. Yeah. And I, slowly but yeah. surely he's starting to progress and it looks better and better. I it wish does. he could have gotten a better draw, but I You never know. The thing is it's one. gonna be very interesting to see if he can get past uh Kyle Edmund. It's gonna be very interesting to see how he does against someone like Stefano Sitsi yeah. It'll be a good measuring stick. Yeah. And then well. we talk about putting yourself in situations. This is going to be a very good situation for him to be in. Um, you know, a, a chance to play against a top 10 player. Um, yeah. Which he hasn't had too many of uh, in the recent, you know, few weeks. So it's a, especially on clay. So it's going to be a very good position to put himself in to be on his best surface, I'd say, against a player. A, from the top 10, but B, that is good on the clay. Yeah. So, I'm excited at that prospect. Um, some matches that I really enjoyed. Oh, my goodness. Christian Gareen versus Mark andrea Hassler. I enjoy... I'm going to enjoy that one. <laughs> I am going to enjoy that one. Like, that's a very... I, yeah. I really I really like that one. That'll be a fun one. I like... Um, I do like... Andy Murray against Daniil Medvedev, if that happens in the second round. Yeah. That would be a fun one. I can just picture the both of them just being so angry, and it it pleases me. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Another there, match that I really that I really like, Halme Munar versus Tanasi Kokonakis. Yeah, Kokonakis just barely making the main draw. That'll, very that'll be spicy. fun. Yeah, that'll um, be a fun early one. And another one just to throw out there, Art, um, Robert, uh, Roberto Carballas Baena versus David Goffin. Winner to play Sasha Zverev. Um, that one I think will go overlooked a bit, but I think that's a really great match. Um, well, that's the thing with these with these draws now, especially with how long these tournaments are, because it goes from the April goes from the 26th of April to the 7th of May because these Masters 1000s are getting stretched. These early doors of the tournament, like the early days, day one and day two, do kind of feel like... It, it, it feels like the tournament needs a couple of days to really get in its groove and start, you know, producing quality matches. So, like, if you can start to find some of these gems that, like, maybe the average tennis fan wouldn't enjoy... It's it just adds an extra level of intrigue. No, yeah. definitely agreed. And I mean, so many great matches are gonna go underlooked, overlooked. You know, players that I mean, people don't know to look out for because all you hear about is you know Carlos Alcaraz and you know Zverev and and Medvedev and all that. Um, but Should a name that I'm very excited to see in this draw is Sebastian. Corda. Corda. Yeah. Thank it's been a while. Goodness. Yeah. That's you want to talk about a sight for sore eyes. That's a sight for sore eyes. Um I'm very excited for him. Um also his um projected seed that he'll run into first is not bad at all. Sasha Zverev. 
Um, well, Verev yeah. playing really well, but again, talking about putting yourself in good situations for opportunities to really test waters and see how things go, that's a great place to go. And his, yeah. second, I mean, and his second round match, the potential of getting Diego Schwartzman, someone that's not yeah. on the hottest of streaks and not has, and maybe not the greatest um, year so far, but still a player that is strong, will fight till the end, and is strong on clay. I yeah. well, really things are like starting to look up for Diego. Um, I think Schwartzman started to look a little better as the clay season has gone on. He's very slowly finding some footing, but I don't know. With Corda, there's just so many things that are up in the air with his fitness, and it's just, it, it feels like, I mean, he was playing so, so well in January. That win over Daniel Medvedev, looking back on it, how big is that one, considering the tear that Medvedev's been on this year? Uh, match points against Novak Djokovic in Australia got closer to beating him than anybody else did in that continent. Um, it it just definitely feels like if Korda can stay healthy for a long time, big things are coming for him. He looked like a top 10 player for sure in the first month of the year. And if he can maintain some semblance of fitness and form, then things are starting to look good. And he's very surface versatile. I think he even won his first tour title on clay in Estoril. And I think that was like the same year that he made his, he made his really big, like slam main draw run. I think he got to like the round of 16 played Rafa at Roland Garros. So yeah, I think Corda definitely can be a really interesting name. Another young American. I want to talk about uh, Ben Shelton. I think, Oh boy. <laughs> His, Listen, like his projected second round is not good. It's not. Neither it's one of, isn't it? It's Sonego or Jan Leonard Struff. Neither is a good name to see across the net for him. Um, Neither is a good name. Yes, strong but, players on clay. Um, yeah, for sure. But if he can get, here's my thing. Right, is I really, really like what the what the altitude is going to do for Ben Serve. Oh, agreed. This is going to be like, great for him. I'm just thinking about the deuce side, like that kicker out wide. The bounce that he's going to get with how live his arm is, is... Agreed. It's going to be And with that different. said, that I would extend that to all of the Americans. I think yeah, a I think, staple of American coaching and American tennis breeding is, you know what that archetype is. We've, I mean, like we've seen it time and time again. It's the big serve, big forehand. And but I think now nowadays is that like... They're 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 kind of evolving past that. Where yes, slowly the serve and the and forehand think, are strengths. I mean, slowly, and you're seeing that mainly in Sebi Corda and Taylor Fritz. That's mainly. Well, yeah, well I mean, not Francis Tiafo. If if you're looking at it, his best ground stroke is his backhand. Yes, backhand's but I mean, better in than terms forehand. of if you like look at Tommy Paul, I think when you the look backhand's at backhand's better than the forehand. Like, what I think when you look at kind of a staple of American coaching, and I extend this even to, for example, Hubie Herkatch, who's being, whose coach is Craig Boyton. Yeah. The, a big emphasis is the serve. Always yeah. has been, always will be. Andy Roddick, John Isner, even dating back, Pete Sampras, talking about big servers. Um, Riley Opelka, hell, wow. Um, <laughs> did you Francis see he's on the, Sorry, Sorry to go off on a tangent, but did you see he's on the commentary team for Tennis Channel this week? It's so great. I'm so excited for that. Um, but yeah, Francis Tiafo, big serve. Ben Shelton, big serve. Um, and even extending, I love talking about those those latter two guys. And like you mentioned, that second serve, the kick out wide, 
it's even on the first serve when he so pulls good. it, it's 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 different. Like Ben, his serve, give him time for his forehand. You can't rush him on the ground strokes with the clay. Yeah. He I mean he he's he's doing what he's supposed to be doing and that's winning one or two rounds at every single draw he plays in nowadays. He's you know, building some credibility, getting wins the hard way, especially after that big breakthrough run in Australia. You know, maybe he's come down to earth a little bit, but uh, honestly, he's just doing what I expect a 19, 20-year-old to be doing at this stage of their career, and that's yeah. just building. I mean, he's seated at this event. He's he's the 32nd seat at this event. Ben Shelton. This time last year, he was gearing up for the NCAA championships. Yep. So, I, honestly, that entire bottom half looks really, 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 really interesting. Um, the Americans are going to have a fun time i think i think they're really gonna like their chances to have at least one american in the semifinals or the quarters yeah but what i will say and spoiler for when we get to our predictions my current favorite and i'm going to be picking him to win this tournament is carlos alcaraz but let me ask you let me ask are there any barriers that you really see as like a genuine like there's a good shot he goes down to this guy and i'm saying up until the final let's talk about his half of the draw right i wouldn't say good shot (laughs) for any of these guys like i think in every single match that he plays this tournament alcaraz is going to be the favorite yeah but i think that corda could because could cause some problems he's beaten him before on the clay Although, granted, Alcaraz really wasn't playing that well when Corda beat him in Monte Carlo. But if, again, again, there are serious health questions with Corda, so you know you don't even know what he's going to look like. Zverev, same thing. You don't really know what he's going to look like. It seems like he's taking, like, one step forward, two steps back, one step forward, two steps back. Yeah. Although I will say he's particularly dangerous on the clay, especially at Madrid. He's won this tournament twice, made the final last year. He got dusted by Alcaraz, but then... A couple weeks later, he got him back at Roland Garros. So, I mean, maybe there are times when Zverev can pose a bit of a matchup problem for Alcaraz, but I just feel like Alcaraz is just so much, not so much, but he's just, he's just always going to be one shot better than Zverev is, especially on clay. Like, I just, I just feel like there's that. Rublev's obviously playing well. I just don't think he has what it takes to really, like, hurt Alcaraz. And then... I'm going to throw in Holger Rune, obviously. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, Holger Rune sits at the bottom of that half. Um, it, that's the thing is that they it's a very good, the It's a very good draw for him. It is. It's a very good draw for him. But um, Holger Rune does need to meet someone at the quarterfinals before the semis. Um, and I, um, in an attempt to not be regular, schmagular, and go for the top seed, I genuinely think that Holger Rune could be strapping up against Lorenzo Musetti in the quarterfinal. Um, Fair. Musetti I... has a very Musetti has a very good draw. Meets PCB in the third round. Uh, Pablo Carreño Busta um, will be a good Hasn't match. Great this year, yeah. Will be a good match for him um, to really get into his own before meeting Casper Ruud. Well, this who's is, to say Casper Ruud gets there, first of all, well, but I yeah. think he does. But I'm saying if we're talking does. about, like, oh, like, highest seed makes it whatever, yeah. you know, projections. If Casper Ruud yeah. looks good, then I like him to get there. Yeah. But I think, I don't think that 
there's anyone really that sticks out to me as like this is the guy that's going to take down Alcaraz. Like if yeah, Novak definitely. Djokovic or Yannick Sinner were in this draw, I would have a different opinion. Exactly. Even Yannick Sinner, I think there is a there is a world where he inches out Alcaraz. Yeah, and obviously just, a healthy Nadal. I just don't see. I just don't see it right now. I don't. I see people that can that can do damage to him. That can you know take a set off. I don't see somebody that's going to take him out fully. Yeah, I. I mean, I. I. I'm with you there. I do want to point out Hubi Hercatch has looked better and better on the clay recently. I. I think he has what it takes to do well on the surface. He does. I really. I he like his the, serve in these conditions. Like I. I like them. I think this is his best shot to go deep. You're talking about clay courts, yes. Agreed, fully. Yeah, on the clay. I think this is his best shot. The altitude is going to help Honestly, he could be, with his serve. He could really frustrate Holger. Oh, he can fully annoy Holger. Because the, the big thing about I think that is game, that, yeah. he's an aggressive baseliner, but with consistency. Not, well, he's not even an aggressive baseliner, though, at this point. Like, he has weapons. He does... I it mean, like, it's very feels weird like to kind of encapsulate because there's no like overarching. He's a, he's a, a servebot counterpuncher, basically. Yeah, and and that's very much he's the, very the archetype of his generation, right? He's it's very consistent. Medvedev. Exactly. He's Medvedev point seven. He's very consistent. Has a great serve, solid ground ground strokes, um, good touch and uh, and reflexes up at net. So if you pull him up at net, he's going to be able to adapt. This is yeah. the type of player like that consistency is really going to mess with Holger Rune. Yeah. I mean, the the forehand forehand's just rough for her catch. But um, listen, I don't hate it when he has time for it on his ground strokes on the clay. So, you know, maybe that helps him out a little bit. I think he could really frustrate Holger. Um, and that's kind of where Runa is struggling a little bit is mentally he he's not 100 percent physically like he had those shoulder he had that shoulder issue he's had the ankle issue that he had when he defended his title last week i don't know Th- things are interesting if he draws if someone he- that like uh her catch is consistent and will get balls back we know how holgerun plays he likes to play aggressive he likes to step and move into the court take time away from opponents really go in on that on those aggressive shots if he has someone that can counter that and can get shots back consistently and not give in and, you know, let him get those winners, he's going to get very frustrated. Yeah. And I think the shot selection is what is lacking a little bit for Holger. And that's just maturity. Like, that'll come with time. Like, I'm not Agreed. worried. He likes to go. I, I said he likes to go for it. Never said that he likes to get them, you know, make them in. But yeah. And there are even times when he chooses to, like play pusher ball 10 feet behind the baseline and slice those forehands. I mean, it worked for him against Botek van de Zanskop, but, you know, I, I am a little bit worried about Holger, both, like, physically and mentally right now. Like, I think, honestly, if he can if he can do, if he can show the form that he's shown during this clay season for another extended run here in Madrid, things look really, really interesting for him at Roland Garros, I'll say that. But I, I just, I'm a little hesitant because at the same time, like for however much we talk about Alcaraz and him being a physical specimen and him kind of being a peer to Holger, like Runa isn't Alcaraz yet. That, and nor, nor do I expect him to be. Alcaraz is very rare. But I do think Holger has the ability to one day get to his level. But it's just, it's just going to take time. 
So before we move on to our final topic for this week, I'm going to ask you, we've already said we expect Alcaraz to win, but who is he beating in the final? Let's take a look at that second half of the draw filled with Stefanos and Taylor Fritz, um, Daniel Medvedev, Medvedev, obviously, um, Cam Nori. Yeah. Tommy Mm -hmm. Paul's in there. Sneaky. Uh, Francis Tiafo. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, the, this is where the Americans, like, if... This the is story, the American one of, hope. One of the biggest, you know, storylines of the season has been how good the Americans have been. Yeah. If they want to keep that going and prove that they're here to stay, not just on the hard courts, not there just was, on the grass, but if they want to prove that they're a real thing on the clay courts, which I think they are, they got to show it at this event too. And they've just got to keep backing themselves up and prove it. Have, and, and the thing is because they have so much depth and there's so many good Americans it, they're at one, at some point they're just going to keep having so many bites at the apple that like someone is going to make it to there a was deep, a point a in the year. Tournament. If we think back, there was a point in the year where Americans made up one fifth, 10 out of 50 of the top 50. And we haven't seen that in a long time. And I think the big reason why this is such a big storyline is because we haven't had an American champion since an American win a Grand Slam since 2003. That's 20 years ago. That's the year I was born. That's Andy Roddick uh, back at the U.S. Open in 03. That's before I was born. So like there's a whole generation of, you know, now up and coming players that weren't even born or were just born around the time that the last time an American man won a slam. Yeah. And that drought, again, would like to use that word just because there's nothing better. I do not want to compare ourselves to the 77-year drought at Wimbledon <laughs> before Andy Roddick. But Murray. There's yes. bit sorry, Andy Murray, thank you. <laughs> Apologies. Um it's late. The Brits um, are gonna have like your head for that one, but yeah, they're gonna kill me. And the worst thing is that I love Andy Murray. Good. Yeah, Lord. who doesn't? But um but to get back to my point, that is, I think, 20 years since the last American slam winner for men is huge. Yeah. I mean, like, we've seen it. We saw it so constantly on the on the women's side. And it wasn't just Serena and Venus Williams. It was Sloane Stevens back in 2017. It was Sophia Kennan at the Australian Open in 2020. Yeah. We it's saw... Coco Goff and Jesse Pagula doing their thing now. Like Exactly. And now that we have American, like, hope on the men's there's side... There's a real cohort of American men who are actually making a push. And it's and realistic to break that streak. It's fully yeah. realistic. Well, I don't even know about winning a slam, but, like, definitely you feel like some of them or you know you you feel like it's possible to get to a final with I'm not the next saying this year but I am saying I will within say within the next 5 years That's feels, what I was going to say within the next 5 years I will be shocked if there is not a single American Grand Slam winner in the next 5 years Winner is winner, winner is tough cuz you don't know winner. how things are going to look with Alcaraz, Sinner, Runa I would like to say guys. though healthy healthy because if what happened to Dominic team happens to like Taylor Fritz god forbid then obviously that changes things but I yeah. think, I think we get look, a, I think we get looking, an American Slam finalist by the I'm by the at, next five years. I'm looking at Taylor Fritz. I'm looking at Francis Tiafo. I'm ta- I'm looking at Tommy Paul. I'm looking at um, Corda. Corda. Ben Shelton within the next five years. I'm looking at Sebi Corda. Obviously, these are guys that I mean. The thing is, is that if they don't even make a final, I'm gonna be absolutely shocked. I think let at some alone point, a winner. 
within and the next so five years, there's so many growing talents yeah. between Mackie McDonald, Brandon Nakashima, JJ Wolf, Jensen yeah. Brooksby. Like these are guys. Watch college that, tennis people, but yeah. Next and, next five to seven years, if there's Elliot not Spazieri, least, you know, <laughs> okay, <laughs> but next five to seven years, if there's not one Slam finalist, then that's an issue. But with and, that said. Let's go back your, to it. Yeah. Who is going to face and you know in our to, to to what we've been saying for the last you know however so minutes lose to Carlos Alcaraz in that final? Like who from who's breaking out of that bottom half of the draw? I have wait wait, wait. I have a few names I'd like to throw. Out. Yeah yeah uh, yeah absolutely. Um, I'd like to start us off with a, with an American Taylor Fritz. I was gonna go with Fritz. <laughs> Then let's both go on it. I mean, he's been playing very well recently. Okay. There have been questions yeah. on how well he would do on the clay, and he's been I mean, he beat Stefano Tsitsipas well. in Monte Carlo. Exactly. He's adapted very well to the surface. Yeah. Um, we know he's a hardcore player. We know this is that's kind of his forte. Um, but the way that he's but. been able to adapt with movement and shot uh, making and shot choice. Yeah. I mean, honestly, out of this quarter, it, it feels... <laughs> It's a good quarter for him to try and get to the at least the quarter. Oh, you're talking about final. this quarter? Oh, this quarter is almost his. Well, I, I don't know about almost I said his almost. because I said almost. Yeah, because they're like Cam Nori and Taylor Fritz, like that rivalry just like they just play each other so often. Also and, like, every single time it's a three set battle. So you that also could be have a sneaky twenty three seed there, Bodic Van de Zanschulp, who could yeah. be you know, who could do some damage. Although there could be some mental scar tissue after dropping five match points in a final against. Rio yeah. He also, week, he also tweeted about it. Um, in that. Lehechka. Top- Lehechka. I like Lehechka. Oh, Lehechka's th- in that. Oh, yeah. I think Agreed. he's going to beat Medvedev in. Is that the round of 16? I believe that's yeah. the round of. Yeah. Or so round of 32. Sorry, maybe. 32, I don't yeah. know. Third, third round. Re- yeah. 32. Third round. I think he beats Medvedev. In that, or maybe Andy Murray, you never know. <laughs> but um, I, I like Lahechka too. Um, in the top quarter, Demonor can be tough. Like all these guys can make things tough. I also like the Americans in the top quarter, but Stefano Tsitsipas is just there. But yes, what happens if what happens if also, say he runs into Dominic Team? Francisco like, Serundolo is there as well. Yes, and he, he can, has a quite favorable draw. Yeah, he can play. He's got a good draw. Obviously, there's the threat of Francis Tiafo. That's the match. That's going to be a, such a fun match if that happens. I'm very excited for that prospect. But I think Francisco Serendolo is a name to watch out for. One more name to watch out for, I think, is Dan Evans. Who, when Fair, he's but on... I don't, well, no, here's the thing. When he's on, he's on. Like, what I yeah, like I'm about not, Dan well, Evans is I, that I love he's Dan very Evans. versatile surface wise he knows how to adapt his game yeah that's a very special skill to be able to adapt your game and how um you play to the different surfaces um he played great last week the only issue with him is that he is quite streaky he will yeah. have an amazing run and then he'll lose to the world number 100 and what and what now but yeah. listen I'm i just want to shout that name out because you never know yeah. what he can do he can do some serious damage yeah listen i'm with you normally on dan evans I'm just not going to... I'm not a believer for this tournament. Oh, here? I think, no. I just think that his name deserves some credit after last week. Sure, um, yeah. To be to just be a part of the conversation. Yeah, it's fair to throw him out there. But, okay. Um, 
Are we both going to go with Alcaraz over Fritz in the final then? That, that's what I was going to say. Alcaraz over Fritz. We could see a repeat of Alcaraz Tsitsipas in as at the Barcelona I think it's final, likely, but, but I think, I think Fritz also Taylor Fritz is a very strong serve. And like we've been talking about, it's going yeah, to be very helpful with exactly. the altitude. Like this um, entire time, I've been talking about how the conditions are favorable <laughs> to people with big serves. I'm going to put my money where my Francis, mouth is. Uh, sorry, and not Francis Tiafo. Francis Tiafo has a great serve. But yeah, Taylor Fritz has serve. also a very great serve that will benefit greatly from... And the I think he just is able to package points a little more efficiently with yeah. the forehand and the backhand. Like the way his weaponry shines through on the clay. Is a big different. thing, in my opinion, as well, is that from the American lineup, my if we're speaking about how they're playing currently, my trust relies with Taylor Fritz because he's very consistent. Yeah, he's he's, he's always been very just consistent gonna, recently. Not too he's many made the, errors. He's made at least the know. quarters of every Masters 1000 event this year. So, well, it looks like we might be keeping that train going. Uh, with that said, like our final topic for this week before we sign off, we have some Power 5 um, college, you know, tournament tournaments finished. Uh, three out of the five um, Power 5 uh, conferences have played and completed uh, their uh, postseason tournaments. tournaments, yes. We're going to start in the SEC with, um, you know, Archit's... Um, <laughs> My forte, forte, I guess, yeah. is what you call it. Yeah. Uh, his forte. Um, the U, uh, the University of Kentucky wins for the men, uh, and UGA wins for the women. So let's hear thoughts from the SEC correspondent. Well, I, if if you want to hear my extended extended thoughts, you can read all about it in this week's SEC roundups that are going to be coming. There's going to be one separate recap for the women's and one separate recap for the men's, www.crackedrackets.com. Be sure to check those out. But honestly, it, it, was, it was a really good, really good tournament. I want to start with the men because that final between the University of Kentucky and Georgia was so exceptional. Good. exceptional. So good. So good. Georgia getting up 3-1. They looked really good, served for the match on two different courts, had match point, had an overrule when Blake Kreuter called the ball out on the line. It got overturned, and Taha Body, and that was on deciding point at 5-4 in the third set. Taha Body gets the break, wins the, like the next eight of nine points, and he just like and he just clutches it out and wins that wins that match, turning everything over to a decider on court five between Miguel Perez-Pena of Georgia and Jaden Weeks of Kentucky. And Weeks, the freshman, was just nails. Like, that match could have gone both ways. At one point, MPP had, he had match point as well in that deciding set tie break. And I believe Weeks ended up winning it 9-7. So, I'm just fantastic stuff. Ab, like brilliant storylines all the way through. I loved the battle between Ethan Quinn and Liam Draxel. At time, there were times when Draxel started shouting, "This is my match," and he knows it. Followed, you know, by some expletives and come ons, as Draxel is known to do. But pretty soon after that, Quinn gives him like comes through a really tight service game. Does you know does his thing gets up in the second set and gives Draxel the too small. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, look up NBA players and too small and you'll find it pretty quickly on social media or YouTube. But 
I mean, there was just so much fire in this one. You could see how much it meant to Kentucky when they won. I think it's their first. It, it's been a really, really, really long time since they won a title. So huge win for them. They now move up to four in the rankings. Georgia drops down to six. But yeah, definitely really interesting. I like both of their chances come NCAA, but you never know. On the onto the women's side, I think a big, big win for UGA. I think there were a lot of people who were questioning if they really were, you know, on that t- same tier as Texas A&M and NC State. Obviously, UNC is on a tier of its own. Well, maybe not, but uh, now Georgia has definitely solidified themselves as you know, as a part of that group, as people you could see coming away with the national title because they now have that signature win. And it came in the final of the SEC tournament, which is where you wanted to come. 4-2 win over AM. And that's without even winning the top two spots with Leah Ma and Dasha Vidmanova. So, I mean, credit to UGA who finally won a doubles point. <laughs> um, it, if you want to hear more about <laughs> their frustrations with the UGA doubles go check out no ad no problem with John J Parsons and um <laughs> sorry Ethan Moskowski but yeah great stuff from the SEC do you have any thoughts Richard I mean you covered it all um just super impressive I mean I I saw bits and pieces of the UGA versus you uh you Kentucky match and oh my god like, there is a reason why those are two of the best programs in the country right now. That is, it was such a high level, and it was yeah. so fun, so entertaining to watch. Um, like, that was on Championship Sunday for a lot of the ATP and WTA Tour, and that was my favorite match of that entire day. So, people, if you don't watch college tennis, I beg of you, watch college tennis. Yeah. But now a little bit, something more in my wheelhouse. Um the ACC. Uh, UVA wins for the men's. Uh, NC State pulls the upset off over number one UNC to win the women's title. If I'm not mistaken, UVA is the 2020, uh, is last year's uh, D1 championship championship winner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They've been so good all season. Undefeated in, uh, in, in, um, in conference play. Uh, 24 and four overall. Uh, they've been such a good, um, um, consistent team throughout the entire season. Um, undefeated in ACC play. Yeah, uh, undefeated in conference, in conference play. So uh, impressive all season, really. Um, and a lot yeah. of it does come down to they had a, they got a lot of guys back. So having that leadership is huge. You got guys like Ryan Getz, who I mean, don't even start. Um, Jeffrey von der Schulenberg, another great player. Um, really, just high level from all of the guys. Um, yeah. Was really impressive. Yeah. When you've um, got the core that they have, yeah. and you're running it back after winning a national championship. I mean, they started slow again, like they did the year before, and then ran the table in the ACC, like they did the year before, and are looking really, really strong heading into NCAA's. So, I mean, you like their champion, you like their chances, like they're a championship contender for sure. And then on the women's side, the NCC Wolfpack, I think. Was, I don't know if this is their first ACC title 
it might be. I think it might be. Um, yeah. Beats the the number one ranked UNC Tar Undisputed <laughs> number one. <laughs> such a, I mean, UNC, such a solid team. Fiona Crawley has been an absolute anchor for these guys. Um, so solid, so consistent all season. Um, I mean, it was it's really impressive from UNC uh, from NC State's uh, you know on NC State's part. Um, I mean, for starters, there's it's hard to not have eyes on you when you have a player like Diana Schneider. Um, well, she showed why she's a top 100 player in the world. Exactly, and, and gave gave Fiona Crawley the business. I mean, they were so good, seriously. And this was such a fun match to follow. Um, just so so good from both sides. Um, I don't know. I was expecting the Tar Heels to win. I mean, it's kind of hard not to when you have undefeated, ranked number one, but. Yeah. And I think a lot of people did. Yeah. I mean, to be fair. But it all started with the doubles. NC State really, really clutch coming up with the doubles. Um, big win for Schneider. There's like it was just it was it was a brilliant performance by NC State. Is all and it wasn't say. and it wasn't, it wasn't as close yeah. and nail biting as I expected it to be. Yeah. Four one. Yeah. I, it was a domination from start to finish. And honestly, I think um, what's really interesting about it is when you go back and you think about their match earlier um, in the season, 7-0 victory for the Tar Heels. Decisive. Clean sweep. Um, That was without Diana Schneider. Um, Kind of sometimes questions... um, what, how much impact one player may have, but also it's been some time since then. It's been, I mean, that match was on April 6th, and obviously a lot can happen in so much time, and teams grow and teams get better, and that's exactly what NC State did. Um, just very, very impressive from the Wolfpack. And then to move to the last of the Power Five that did complete their uh, tournaments is the Big 12. Starting with the men... TCU, and on the women's side, Texas. So, where do we start here? Men or women? I think we have to start with the men because of the fact that it was, like, just once again, a brilliant contest between TCU and Texas. Even head-to-head now, 2-2. Two and two, High likelihood that we can even see them again at some point during NCAAs. I mean, if that's the final, and it's the fifth time that they've played, injected into my veins, really, like... It's gonna be, it's gonna be really fun. Texas has looked like the best team in the country ever since their win against TCU, so it felt really big and monumental that TCU wins their match this time around. So, especially after beating them indoors, and obviously you know there's the questions: Is TCU the same team outdoors? Can they you know be that reliable? And yeah, I mean credit to Coach Roditi. I. They just, they do an, they do, excuse me, sorry, a spectacular job there. Jack Pennington Jones, fantastic player. Sebastian Gorsney. I mean, I could go on and on about how good TCU's lineup is. I could go on and on about how Texas's lineup is. Not much changes for me in general 
it's kind of how I feel about the ACC, where I still feel like, okay, UNC is the favorite, but NC State's definitely tier one, and they definitely have a shot to win the NCAA title this year, and they've proven that UNC is beatable. That's how I feel about this TCU win. I feel like Texas is still kind of the prohibited favorite. They're still number one in the country, but TCU's in that, I think there's a there's a bigger tier one in the men's side than there is on the women's side, but they're definitely one of the teams that I can see winning it all. So, Well, I mean, speaking of winning it all, on the women's side, we saw again the defending uh, champions from the NCAAs the year prior wins their conference, um, their conference tournament. Just like uh, UVA, their men's team won the ACC men's title, the Texas women's tennis team won the Big 12 title. Um thoughts let's start there i mean a great yeah match. i mean i think or, yeah. i think people aren't gen i generally when you lose peyton stearns i mean I, i'm sure yeah. texas would love to have her back this year let's see if they can run it back again i think they'd like their chances but um like the way i see it is it's a great great win for texas really really solid obviously they're not quite the level that they were last year but i mean they're definitely a team that can be a force and you know there's championship pedigree with texas like they're always just going to be relevant and they're always going to be in the thick of things so i mean texas NCAA's- is such a strong program from both uh for both the men's and tennis uh and women's tennis programs um they were just so good and like you said when you put out talent like peyton stearns um there's no limit to the potential um, that you can pull out of a team. Um, Full credit to their head coach, Howard Jaffe, and all the work that these girls did. Because, I mean, when you lose your kind of flagship player, a lot of these teams did. And it's how you back that up, how you kind of build and continue with what you have. And, I mean, the Longhorns women's program did a great job with that. I mean, Big 12 Conference has been a little bit disappointing on the women's side this year. Texas now finds themselves at nine in the rankings. I think, yeah, that's the highest of any Big 12 team, which, you know, to be expected, they won the title. End of the year, 21-4. and four. It's I mean, very, very solid. I just, I don't see them as a tier one contender, but... Again, I, I I don't want to take away from what they accomplished from winning an SEC championship. It's a big deal for the program, means a lot. Yeah, and a great effort, again, to win their championship. So, But with all of that said, that is all the time we have for this week on the Counterpunch. Once again, check out all of our socials at Cracked Rackets, at Suresh Archit, at Richard Mayo 3 um, we'll be posting there and you can always tweet at us, slide into our DMs, um, send us stuff. You never know. Uh, we might answer it. Um, yeah, no, anything to no add? For, yeah, no room for the mailbag today, guys, but we will be sure to, we'll, we'll, we'll post out some content and we'll keep you posted though. There's some things in the works about the mailbags, <laughs> but we will get we will get to a lot of your questions. Thank you so much for sending in all the questions that you guys have so far. We do really appreciate it here at Cracked Rackets. Other than that, we don't really have anything else for you today. Um, tune in to the Deciding Point live streams on YouTube. Tune in to 
all the great stuff we have on the Great Shot Pod fe- uh, podcast feed. Tune in to the Mini Break podcast feed. Tune into everything we do. Tune into our live broad- live broadcasts. I don't have anything else. Read all our articles on the website, www.crackrecords.com. With all that being said, a big final shout out to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the editing job that he does day in, day out here at Crack Rackets. Makes everything work. Other than that, I've got nothing. Well, with that said, we will catch you all next week. Thank you for listening and goodbye.